This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get things going. Happy Wednesday. It is December 14th, 2022. Another two hours of Sportsnet today coming your way from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in beautiful, sunny Calgary, Alberta. It is a Flames game day tonight. Flames back at home for the first of two. Tonight it's the Vancouver Canucks. Friday night they'll welcome in the St. Louis Blues as they look to end this three-game losing streak. Lots to get to on the program today. We'll be joined in just moments by Peter Labardius to get you set for tonight's matchup between the Flames and the Canucks. Some lineup changes for the Flames. Who's in, who's out after an injury-filled affair against the Montreal Canadiens. Of our first of our weekly chats with our pal Bick Nazar coming up this hour as well. Bick's going to join us weekly here on Sportsnet today. We'll dive into Canucks topics, of course, but uh, Bick also with an eye on the NFL. We'll chat uh, some National Football League topics with uh, with Bick every single week here, getting closer to NFL playoffs, fantasy football playoffs start this week for a lot of people. Uh, so we'll get into all of that, but we'll keep the fantasy football stuff for later on. In hour two, Andy McNamara joins us for our regular Wednesday chat. Another edition of Ask Andy coming your way. You can start sending your questions in at 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the text line a little bit later on. But yes, it is the Flames. It is the Vancouver Canucks. I'm Logan Gordon here along with you for the next two hours. Over in the other room, my Gen Z minions. Uh, producer, board op, extraordinaires, Taylor Dingman and Cam Thompson. How are we? How are we, uh, everyone? Try again on that last name, bud. Not quite. No? Thompson? No. I'll give you two guesses. Oh, it's Hughes. There you go. I don't know why I said Thompson. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't know either. I don't know where that came from. I don't either. It's a small stroke. I don't know. Um, it's a nice weather for December. Yeah, something like that. Apologies, Cam. Sorry no, about that. It's all right. Uh, how are we today? It's good. You're excited because you're going to the game tonight. It's my first game in a couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. What has kept you away other than a pandemic? Uh, money. That's fair. <laughs> in university. Yeah, that's fair. That'll do that. Uh, not living here for four years will do that. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, when tickets are like, what, 100 bucks a piece, it, it, it's a rare occasion. But you're excited for tonight. Oh, very. Good matchup. Flames, Canucks. Classic. Yeah. Should be a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's good. Eight o'clock start on a Wednesday. It doesn't matter to you because you work uh, afternoons with me, so you can deal with a little less sleep on a Wednesday night. It's not like our pals in the morning, right? Yeah, God no. We'll be all so right. they'll uh, they'll struggle through it, but we'll be just fine. And uh, the one producer slash board up whose name I did get correct uh, was Taylor. Uh, Tay Tay, how are you today? Like always, I'm tired. You're always tired and always depressed about uh, Ross Stripling not being a Blue Jay. Can we not bring that up? <laughs> I kind of had to. 
It's the only thing I could do. Uh, they are our uh, wonderful producers and uh, board ops for the day. You'll hear them throughout the afternoon. Uh, our Gen Z minions over there, Taylor and Cam. But we'll uh, kick the program off like we always do uh, by heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, chatting all things flames with our pal Peter Labardius. He is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit the Gemini Group. Dot C-A. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, pal? I am good. Different type of morning here. We didn't get people um, in their normal time slots. There was some extra meetings and more time to be had because of the 8 o'clock start, which will be more like 8.20 before the puck drops tonight. So we'll have to spend a little extra time, which I think the team obviously, needless to say, knew that. So everything here pushed back a little bit today. Yeah, with the uh, Wednesday national game, uh, Flames and Canucks on the late one, they always give you that little extra buffer of time to make sure that that 5 o'clock start does get in in its entirety if it happens to go to a shootout by any chance. So Yeah, and it's yeah. more about the American broadcast tonight. It's about the TNT yes. Wednesday night nationals more than uh, our uh, mothership yes. being Sportsnet. Yeah, so a little bit later tonight, but that's all good. We're uh, excited for the Flames and the Canucks. We're back at the Saddle Dome tonight, Lou, and uh, a big game for the Flames, and I guess we should start with uh, some lineup changes coming for the group. Some good news today after morning skate, and that's that Elias Lindholm and Mackenzie Weger were back with the group after missing Monday's game against the Habs. Uh, we did not see Chris Tanev, however, the coach clarifying uh, he is day-to-day with an upper body injury, as we expected. Yes, he is, and he's here again today, and I think everybody, frankly, is just breathing an absolute sigh of relief. It was a very scary moment for him, I'm sure his family, the team. um, It was terrifying to see him go down, and more terrifying when he goes down than some other players because, you know, most times for that guy to lay on the ice, it it takes way more than it does with his pain <laughs> yes. threshold than about 98% of guys that play professional sports. So um, I don't know exactly when we're going to see him. It sounds like he's getting better. Um, it would be awesome if he can get back certainly sooner rather than later and at some point before the Flames take their short Christmas break. But they're going to have to be without tonight and who knows maybe two or three more without their most important defenseman some other changes to the lineup tonight Lou include some changes in the uh the bottom six for the team Matthew Phillips will exit the lineup tonight mm-hmm. insert Brett Ritchie uh so that means another day without Milan Lucic for the team Ritchie's back in Coleman bumps up to the line with Backlund and Ruzichka I guess just your thought process uh, when you saw that at morning skate today? Well, you know, I I didn't... The one question mark I had when I came to the rink today was would Milan Lucic be in? Um, the other part certainly doesn't surprise me in terms of what I've witnessed and the type of team you're playing and the fit. So I was a tad surprised... And it's going to be interesting now to see 
you know, what the right situation is for him to come back. Maybe it's, you know, against a big, physical, heavy team in their next game coming up on Friday against St. Louis. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in that game. So, you know, Brett Ritchie did draw in the other night after not playing in the first couple of games. So not surprised and and quite pleased to see Blake Coleman, Ruzichka, and Backlund, you know, a trio again, completely understand, you know, Daryl was looking for balance and, you know, new people being inserted and, you know, you're playing especially Saturday night, an absolute juggernaut in Toronto. So, you know, and to have Elias back, I say it all the time, the two guys on this team that, you never want to see gone for any length of time, in my estimation, are 8, Tanev, and 28, Lindholm. So my guess is he's not at 100, but that's how the world works, especially as we're nearing the 30-game mark in the NHL. Uh, you'll understand, and I'm sure you've seen some of it already, Lou, uh, much of the discourse today from Flames fans is... I haven't actually... Well, I'm sure you will, um, you know, that Matthew Phillips was, was only given two games and is now pulled out by the coach and wasn't given a fair shake to, to make an impact on this lineup. And, um, you know, many are wondering when it'll take for him to get back in the lineup now. And I'm just curious what you would, you know, say to that. I understand that Phillips didn't, you know, he, I think he saw a lot of special teams time in that last game out there, but... Uh, you know, five on five, it was hard to find any time for anybody because there was so much special teams usage. Yeah, there was. And, you know, that game the other night, too, in Montreal was a pretty heavy, nasty game. Um, it made it fun. You, you don't see many of those anymore. I see way more no-hitters in the NHL than I see games with edge and kind of what I like to call old-school passion. But there was certainly no shortage of that. Um I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by, you know, what you're reading. I'm not surprised that Daryl is going in a different direction. When I, when I watch hockey and I think about hockey, I also have to think about everybody involved in the process. And I know whether people think it's right or wrong. Um, you know, the head coach knows exactly what he wants and what he needs on a game-to-game -game basis. And is everybody going to agree with that all the time? No. But this is one where, you know, what's, what is a fair chance? And I always say this. Whose spot are you taking? Whose spot are you taking? And are you going to make more of an impact than somebody that you're taking out. Yeah, and... So, so people can say all they want out there about, you know, Brett Ritchie, or especially, I just, I never understand from my vantage point why Trevor Lewis ever comes up in the discussion. It, I don't. It, it's points. It's all points. It, it, that's I, well, of I course. know it because I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as you. But I have this conversation with Haley, uh, who does Hockey Central 960, and she was a big fan of Trevor through it. And it's it's just it's as simple as 
Trevor doesn't put up as many points as other people do, and for some people that means he doesn't have an impact, but that's just not an accurate representation of what Trevor brings. Well, I'm I'm one of spots. these days I'm going to say it. Today I'm going to save it. So we're going to leave it right there in terms of acumen. So uh, today's lineup for the, the Flames will look like this. We'll have the top two lines as usual. Huberto, Lindholm, Toffoli, Dubé, Kadri, Manjapani, your third line. Ruzichka, Backlund, Coleman, Lewis with Zahorna, and Richie. Uh, D pairings will change up a little bit with Tanev, not expected to play tonight. Hannafin will be with Anderson, Zadorov, Uyghur, Mackey, and Stone. What did you make of Connor Mackey on Monday, Lou? I know he got in the fight with with Michael Pozzetta, and that's I, I still think that there's a lot of value in a guy willing to step up and drop the gloves and say, hey, I'm here, look at me, I'm going to make an impact however I can. But it's been a tough slot for him this year to try to find uh, a consistent spot, even with the injuries on this Flames blue line. Well, here's a couple of ways of looking at the Connor Mackey situation, and that is this. I think it is incredibly difficult to be a young player trying to earn his stripes on an everyday basis in the NHL and not be playing. Because with every 10 games in this league, the pace goes up, the level goes up, the consistency that you're dealing with from others goes up. So if you're Michael Stone, here's the comparison. If you're Michael Stone and you're a veteran and you have the amount of games that he has played and you're in that type of role, well, you've been to the ringer and back. So you know exactly what it's like because you still have a lot of confidence in your ability to contribute, even though it's not easy, when you get called on. That's different for a player like Connor who does not have a lot of pro experience under his belt. He's in a very key position because this team, you know, that preaches and should, and when they're at their best at it, are a fine team, and that's their checking game. It's, it's a difficult chore. You know, I, I watched the American League again last night, and I'm not saying that there's anybody right now, especially not last night on the back, that, you know, would be ready. But even when we've seen, let's say, Dennis Gilbert come up, one of the differences is he's playing all the time. You're not sitting around. Now, it's not the NHL, and it's not close to the NHL, but it's still a heck of a league. And it's a hard league. And you're in a rhythm, and you're playing. Really difficult when you're not playing. But on the other side, if you're Connor, you know, yes, you do whatever it takes. And, you know, with Chris Tanev in the situation that he's in, this is a real opportunity for him to solidify and help solidify the number three pair. The Flames need it. They can't have too many more nights where, you know, they're going down to, you know, five guys or four guys. There's been a lot of that. And it takes its toll. You know, your top four here is in pretty good shape. I don't think there's any question about it. When healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen, and we're going to see again tonight, when you're not. So it is paramount 
that someone finds their way to grab a hold and help stabilize that pairing so you don't feel like you can't play them 10 or 12 minutes. It's critical. He'll get another chance tonight on that pairing. Excuse me. He'll get another chance on that pairing tonight with Michael Stone as the Flames welcome in the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. And before we get into the the Vancouver side of things, Lou, I just wanted to to ask, and it's something that we've we've pondered about before. But why has it been so different for this team at home versus on the road? They're at ten wins at home already, but just the three six and four record on the road. I, I know Rasmus spoke after the Montreal game, and he said, "Look, it just feels like." Those bounces that we get sometimes at home, we're just not getting those on the road for whatever reason. We're working for it. We feel good, but we just haven't gotten them. Is that kind of how you've seen it too? Weren't we having the opposite conversation early last season? Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and now I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. No, like, no, I'm really, you're, I'm you're, really not. You're not it wrong, just, though. You're not wrong, you know, Lou. You know, they really made their way last year with an incredible beginning on the road and some, you know, I think about Andrew Mangiapane and what a performer he was on the road and how the team, I thought, went out east and and really made life difficult on their opponents because I'm not sure they expected much from the Flames. Well, their run through the east so far, and they've been through a lot of it now, has not netted those types of results. And at home, you know, they became a very good home team last year. I think they ended up, if I'm not mistaken, winning 25 games in this rank when it was all said and done, 23 or 25. Um, So it's critical. It's generally the way things go when you think about it. You know, you really have to take care of your home rank. I think that's one of the better calling cards for a team I wish I wish I could pinpoint it but I don't think it's really much different than a lot of things that we've seen at home and they're a group that have yet to have everybody that really matters find a high level and and that's why sometimes as well I get a little frustrated by the conversations that go on on the outside in regard to, you know, people who might play, you know, nine or ten minutes. Yes, they are important. And having people in those roles who can accomplish what you need are very important. But here's what's the most important. On defense, you're 20-minute-a-night guys. And up front, you're, you know, 20, including power plays, I always think in a perfect world, it's kind of 20, 18, 16, you know, in that neighborhood, but it's probably more like 18, 16, and 14. Those are the guys that you have to have, and they have to be consistent regardless of where you're playing. Uh, Flames and Canucks, 8 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, your home of the Calgary Flames. Uh, we're turning to the color voice, uh, Peter Labardius, as he joins us every single day to kick off the program. For our friends at the Gemini Group, uh, the opponent tonight, Lou, is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, first time that we'll see the Flames uh, division rival this season. And uh, it doesn't really feel like we haven't seen Vancouver because you probably wound up talking about or hearing about Vancouver in some way, shape, or form this season. Uh, it's been a back and forth, up and down season. It seems like there's problems 
on and off the ice at times for this group. What do you make of, of the crew that Bruce Boudreaux brings in here tonight? I think they're a dangerous team with lots of offensive weapons. And when those offensive weapons are in a good place, they're trouble for everyone. Now, at times we know the issues they had early in the year of closing out games and, you know, giving up those four consecutive games where they had two goal leads in the third period. So, you know, Pedersen is at an incredibly high level. Besser, despite everything that he's gone through and continues to, has 20 goals already. You know, JT Miller might not get to 99 this year, but he is a threat. Um, You know, Besser, again, another guy, what's going to happen with him? But, you know, through all of it, they can score. And a guy I'm looking forward to seeing tonight in person for the first time in a long time is Kuzmenko, who has been an excellent fit. And so is Mikheyev. This is a dangerous group up front. Real dangerous. So, And they've been a good road team as of late, too. So they're right back in the thick of it, even though it felt like they were out of it earlier. They're not out of it. Not even close. You know, Flames 13-11-5, Vancouver 12-13-3. and mm-hmm. Big game. And uh, I, I give them credit. And you cannot in any way, shape, or form take this group and not have an A-type performance because you're going to get it. What do you make of this situation with, with Bo Horvat? It, it seems like it's coming to a pass. The team and him haven't been able to come together on negotiations on a new deal. He sends out a statement saying, look, I'm going to play it out with Vancouver. I'm going to do everything I can for the Canucks, uh, but I'm not talking about it anymore this year. That's a tough situation for any team, let alone with their captain and having the kind of season that Bo Horvat's having. It's not easy. I don't know where it's headed. I'm not as convinced as maybe some other people are that his days are over there. Um, That will be up to him, his agent, um, Mr. Aquilini, Mr. Rutherford. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think the book is closed there for him to remain and stay. I'm not sure they've handled their business in the right order in terms of who and what they have prioritized. But I, I still th- listen. If you have ever been in a contract negotiation, they're not a lot of fun sometimes. Because one side is always trying to get you, especially in the cap era, for as little as possible without completely peeving you off to the point where you feel disrespected. But that is a fine line. And I ain't just talking about hockey either. That goes on every single day in every workplace. So, you know, obviously they're not on the same page. Bo has gone out this year and he's a quality player and, you know, has served that group, I think, tremendously well and has hit a home run. So it's going to work out for him. And if I'm Vancouver, 
I figure it out. And he he would be, and I wouldn't stop working probably until I could. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an important guy, and also tremendous on faceoffs. You mentioned the twenty goals already on the year. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing it without him. Maybe it's just uh, a bit of an impasse in negotiations, like you said. It's something that we've we've seen before, and uh, we'll probably see again at some point, but. Yeah, for this Vancouver team to, to get where they want to go, I have a hard time seeing it without Bo Horvat being a big part of it. Do you know what the biggest problem is in many ways in Canadian markets? Is there is so much pressure, you know, to do well that it's hard to kind of sometimes have a direction and sometimes to strip it properly. So you end up in a lot of these situations where... You know, in the case of Vancouver, th- now it's it's all going to work out. But remember, they gave some big money coming out of the first contract to Pedersen and Hughes. Mm. Now, they're terrific players. But in this league, and it happens all the time, and agents won't be happy with me, but but the more you give people big contracts before they've really accomplished anything in terms of winning and losing makes it hard on everybody else. Yeah. So my guess is from the outside, and this happens a lot in life too, well, he loves it here. He's the captain of the team. Everybody loves him. Everybody wants him to be around. Ah, he'll just find a way to stay. Well, sometimes those people go, yeah, that it's true. That's me. That's how I operate. But you know what? Now I need my back to get scratched too. And that's how I think we get here. Yeah. No, I agree with that uh, for sure. And it'll be an interesting situation to watch and we'll We'll keep an eye on it as the Flames division rivals. Are, are I love the guy. I yeah. think he's a great player. Yeah. Th- I thought in his draft year, when he went nine, he went way too low. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk more about this uh, later tonight. Lou, you'll be on the pregame show with Pat coming up uh, a little bit later tonight, and we'll uh, we'll see you at the Saddle Dome for the Flames and Canucks, pal. Okay, thanks, Logs. Have a good afternoon. Take care. Peter Labardius uh, joins us every single day here to kick off the program. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit the GeminiGroup.ca. Let's keep diving into those Vancouver Canucks. They are the uh, opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames. Pick Nazar from Sportsnet 650, our sister station in Vancouver, set to join us next to get you set for the Flames and Canucks here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Sportsnet Today continues. It's hour one here on a Flames game day. Flames and Canucks from the Dome tonight. 8 o'clock puck drop. More like 8.20 puck drop. Our friends from down south, the TNT crew. Uh, covering this one on a national basis for the United States viewing audience. So we'll push start time back a little bit so they can make sure they get both of their games in on this Wednesday. But uh, still looking forward to the Flames and Canucks tonight. And 
Uh, whenever we want to chat about Vancouver Canucks hockey, there's only one person we go to. Uh, it is our friend, our pal from Sportsnet 650, and now a regular here on Sportsnet today going forward, chatting Canucks and uh, a little bit of NFL in there as well. Uh, it's our pal, Bick Nazar, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, good afternoon, Bick. How are you, pal? I'm doing good, man. Excited to talk every week. Yeah, man, me too. I'm really excited to have you on and to uh, to bring on, mainly because it feels like there's always something to talk about with the Canucks that uh, that Flames fans would love to hear about, so it makes it really easy to bring you on. It's nonstop. And again, <laughs> uh, congratulations on the uh, on the extended show as well. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Uh, looking forward to this for sure. And uh, let's talk about tonight, man. The Canucks in town to take on the Flames. First time we'll we'll see these two uh, division rivals match up tonight. Uh, what's it been like in Vancouver the last couple of weeks? Uh, it feels like I joke about you know us always having something different to talk about, but it feels that way with uh, all this Bo Horvat talk that we've seen well, the last true. couple of weeks. Like it, it's honestly like I was just joking uh, yesterday with someone. It's like they haven't had a normal week, like a week where it's just like. Three games go on, and we just talk about the games. Like we're not looking at, you know, uh, Columbus or or Detroit as like stories every single week. They just those teams just have normal weeks where they play three games and they win two or lose one. It's it's it's, it's constant right now uh, in Vancouver. Something's happening. Uh, as for like the last couple of weeks here, uh, like just going back to the end of November, they haven't really played a consistent game. Like Washington, Florida, Arizona. Montreal, San Jose, and then Minnesota this past Saturday. Uh, It's been very, very spotty efforts. They've managed to go three and three in that stretch there, but every single game has had very uh, bad efforts. And they they were pushed OT against Arizona, Montreal, and San Jose. Not exactly three juggernauts of the NHL. Uh, And and they managed to come from behind in those games, but this team team hasn't been trending well uh, for essentially two plus weeks now. Is there a more frustrating team to to cover right now, you think, than Vancouver? And I mean that in the sense of they're never bad enough to be in the conversation of, oh, hey, we're going to go out and get Connor Bedard. But they're also never good enough to say, hey, we're going to take the top of the division away from from Las Vegas. And you get sort of caught in these moments of re-signing JT Miller. And what do we do with, with Bo Horvat every couple of weeks? Is it... I just don't know that there's a team quite like Vancouver that sits in the middle like they do. No, they're very volatile. And we had a bunch of the players on on Monday. They were they're at a charity event, a sports celebrities festival here, and we just kind of asked them. It's like you know, there's zero and seven, and there's eight of the last twelve. Like, what's the in between? And they all just kind of did the head shake of like, yeah, like we have to try to find some sort of consistency. And it is odd, too, because, yeah, they're around 500. But as Bruce mentioned, uh, Bruce Boudreaux mentioned last week, it's like those 23, 25 teams above 500. So they actually kind of are in that, quote, unquote, Connor Bedard chase. They're not near Anaheim, obviously, and not near Chicago. But, like, they're 482, and this is kind of them performing well right now. They're, they're a below 500 team, and they're scoring all these goals. And there's still a bottom to drop out for this team, not just because of the trades. But you just look at the efforts, and the efforts are the thing that's consistent. They went through that stretch there. Again, it's Arizona, Montreal, San Jose. They get the six points, but then they go against Minnesota, shutout. Calgary tonight is going to be a tough game for Vancouver. And they they eventually are going to play this stretch here uh, in the new year where it's at Winnipeg, at Pittsburgh, at Tampa, at Florida, at Carolina, come home to Tampa Bay and come home to Colorado and then come home to uh, Edmonton. Like, that's 
a difficult nine-game stretch where this is going to go worse for them if they don't change something as simple as the effort. And this team isn't talented enough across the board where they can just rely on, hey, we'll skate for 20 minutes and we'll get our two points. They have to be giving out a lot more effort, and they just consistently don't. I think that's where the frustration comes with fans is play to your potential at least. Like give us our money's worth when we show up to the rink and or our emotional investment when we're watching on TV for road games, and they just don't. They're – I've choked the, like, my college habits. It's like, yeah, I can put things off for the last minute and get the project done, but if you do it four days earlier, you can get the job done earlier too, and they leave the stuff for the last minute over and over again, and they get burned. So talk to me about the, the latest on-ice experimenting from Bruce Boudreaux because I saw a lot out of Vancouver about you know moving JT Miller back to the center ice position and why that might be the way to get the best out of him. It seems as though that was a, a short-lived one as we're expecting to see him on the wing tonight with Horvat and Lazar. Yeah, now they've uh, tampered with this idea too. And, and they, they have a couple injuries on the wing, which is why maybe the Miller... Uh, situation has pushed him to the wink. I think ultimately, uh, with a fully healthy lineup, Bruce would love to put him down the middle, and he's talked so much about having Horvat, Pedersen, Miller down the middle. But right now, their best way to win is to just load up the top six rather than spread the wealth and try to you know, have Pedersen be a bit of a matchup center, which we've seen in recent uh, games here, although Bruce does like to roll, just, just roll the lines. But Right now, their best chance is Miller, Horvat uh, together and, and JT Miller on the wing. And the overall production, obviously, has been there. As, as we know, that this team can score goals and most notably probably on the power play. But there's still a little waning um, production coming five on five for JT Miller. Uh, once that starts to tick around, because I, I think that will switch at some point then you can, you'll see a bit more productive version of him. But it's a big question of, is he going to be a, a long-term center? Is he going to be a short-term winger? Uh, I, I think it's kind of a hybrid role right now for JT. Uh, we'll see what it looks like when they get a couple more bodies back uh, healthy along the wings. What's been the reaction in town and from listeners in Vancouver about what's going on with Bo Horvat? It's obviously concerning whenever a, a captain and a player needs to address the situation with a statement in December, but, you know, rumors have swirled that negotiations aren't going the way that Horvat's camp would hope. And with him being a pending UFA asset management probably deems the best move for the Canucks would be to, to trade him, but it's never that easy with a team captain and a guy that means as much as Bull Horvat is, does it, Vic? No, it's not easy. And I think fans just want a resolution, right? Cause it, yeah. it just feels like this is another stalled year of well, you came in as the you know the new regime. You got the 57 game sample. Could you not have made some of these decisions in the summer, right? If if your decision was we're going to trade Bull Horvat, then why not just do it in the summer? Because now you've spent a year delaying a, a bunch of players' careers and also the fans' interest. And if if this was the plan to push it all the way till March 3rd, and and that's when you make the deal, um, that's frustrating for a lot of people because you're stuck in this purgatory of are we going toward the playoffs are we rebuilding and fans just want to have an idea of what the plan is now having said all that i can understand why you're delaying this right because the the nhl landscape is so tough and if you're if you're waiting to make a move like i could make the argument that bohorvitz value is at its highest on march 3rd because you paid out so much of the contract, if you retain 50%, that's a lot less that a team has to take on, an acquiring team has to take on. 
So from from Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford's point of view, uh, you you solve a problem for an acquiring team by paying out more of the contract. And does it make sense to try to play this out as long as you possibly can, all while giving yourself an opportunity to talk to Bill Horvat? And I'm sure we'll talk about the contract in just a second, but um, it, it, it's it's playing multiple games at once here, and they've been trying to thread this needle uh, as far as the way they want to build this roster. And you can kind of look; it's like they've acquired Ilya Mikheyev, they obviously extended JT Miller, they're bringing someone like Andre Kuzmenko. It feels like they want to remain competitive while also cashing in on an asset. And, you know, Bo Horvath's production so far this season has been probably more than anyone thought would happen. 20 goals in 28 games, uh, eight, eight of them coming by way of the power play. It's been a phenomenal return on goals for, for Horvath. And if you told them for the summer, uh, this is what he's going to do in the opening 28 games. Maybe it changes the picture, but I, I think they're playing this up as this is someone that's increased their trade value, something that Jim Rutherford has openly talked about, uh, that he's also incre- increasing his trade value along with his contract value. Uh, so I, I think we'll get to a resolution. It's just it's just not going to be as fast as everyone wants it to be because people want to know what the charted direction is. And just it, it hasn't happened, and it might wait till March 3rd. What what prevents this contract from getting done? Is it as simple as saying, hey, the team went and gave the money that they could have pegged for Bo Horvat and gave it to JT Miller and his contract extension? Or is this a case of you, you just went through the numbers and they are phenomenal, and I, I'm, I'm super impressed every time I watch Bo Horvat, uh, not on the faceoff dot, but in a ton of other areas. But is it maybe a case of, hey, look, not only that, but he's also kind of pricing himself out of the market with how well he's played. So it's just a question of, like, how do you intend to get better, right? Like, the reason Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford came in is the previous management group, their plan didn't work. Like, the money, like, the raw money is there to sign before right next year. They okay. have something in, in the range of $14 million. I think it may be a, bit, a little bit less. But, like, the raw money is there. It's just if you commit $8 million to them, and this is a team that's barely five hundred. When, like, when and how do you intend to get better? And so, at some point, you have to infuse this with younger assets. And the team doesn't have a very good pipeline right now. There's been years of, you know, subpar drafting and just lack of assets. This team just needs more draft picks. They need more prospects. And at what point do you push some of the buttons to start infusing this team with that younger talent and start seeing that benefit into the next core? Because you know the. The next core of this team is going to be Elias Pettersson and going to be Quinn Hughes. That's the era that's taking over. And Elias Pettersson this year has been the best player for the Canucks by margin. Uh, he's got 34 and 28 games. And he's, he's and I, I would even argue that there's meat on the bone for his production because he doesn't even have a power play goal yet this year. So the, the, there's another streak of Elias Pettersson coming. And that's what this team is preparing for, too, because his contract, they have an opportunity to talk to him on July 1st. He's got uh, another year on his $7.35 million bridge deal. I would argue that the opportunity to speak to Elias Pettersson is more important to this team than it is the contract for Bull Horvat. Because if they can lock in Elias Pettersson for an eight-year deal in the summer and you have that stability, that to me is your true number one center. Bull Horvat's very productive right now, but he's still going to fit in that middle six. And this team, no matter what, if they, if JT Miller plays down the middle, if Bull Horvat plays down the middle, no matter which way you look at it, this team needs to find younger centers. And someone needs to graduate beyond those guys either way. And I think they're just looking at it saying, well, Horvat's 
if we sign him, we're still going to need someone to play above him at some point anyways. And if they go, if they, if they win the lottery and Bedard shows up or Fantilli shows up, you know, you're, you're going to have an $8 million third line center. Then it, it just, it, it doesn't line up. So I think it's just a rock and a hard place and it, it puts pressure on everyone. And that's probably why Horvat felt like he needed to put a statement out yesterday, but it's, it just leaves everyone in a, a stuck spot until we get to that resolution. Uh, one more on the Canucks before we dive into some NFL topics with you, Bick. It's Bick Nazar joining us uh, from our, sta- our sister station, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Um, goaltending, what does it look like for the Canucks right now? Uh, it seems as though the shine has come off a little bit on Spencer Martin the last little while here as uh, he'd obviously been taking the workload for, for Thatcher Demko, and with him on IR right now, it seems like it, it's Martin's show for now. Yeah, uh, now he played pretty well against Minnesota. There's a lot of chances against, and uh, he hasn't had a lot of games above a 900 save percentage, but that that, that was a, a really strong performance because, you know, 3 three nothing was kind to the overall scoreline. That was mostly because of Spencer Martin, and, you know, I, I'm excited to see what he can do over this run here with Dr. Demko out. And, and, and by the way, that's the part I didn't even mention either about the, this could bottom out because Dr. Demko is out. Uh, so Spencer Martin, this is an increased workload. Uh, talking to him on Monday, he didn't seem too concerned about either the physical or mental side of uh, dealing with this new workload while Demko is out. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how it plays. But, you know, Colin Delia is the backup right now. Uh, he took over a bit in Montreal, and it wasn't exactly a uh, show-stopping performance. But we'll see as he gets integrated into this new goaltending department as well, uh, led by Ian Clark and it, it, the, the teaching principles that these goalies are taught here take some time for the muscle memory to develop. So I, I'm not necessarily uh, writing home about what, Connor, what, what Colin Delia can do right out of the gate. Maybe after two months here, it looks different, but it does take a little bit of time. And uh, until we see regular contributions from Spencer Martin that are about, you know, nine, 10 save percentage, I think the results will vary because he's had multiple games where it's 879 or 839 or 872 uh, save percentage in games. I think I think you'll see that, and that's why the team has to score five, six goals uh, to try to remain competitive. The uh, Cucks Flames tonight at the uh, Scotiabank Saddledome, 8 p.m. puck drop here in Calgary, a little bit later than that uh, with the TNT crew covering this one nationally in the United States as well. So we'll look forward to that one, uh, and we'll continue to chat Canucks uh, with Bick as he joins us weekly here on the program. But uh, the other topics we're going to dive into with Bick, NFL, of course, huge here in Calgary. I know it's big in Vancouver as well, and uh, a good chance to dive into this with you, Bick, with a couple weeks remaining before we get close to uh, the NFL playoffs beginning and a perfect one uh, to preview with you a Thursday night coming up, the 49ers and the Seahawks in a massive, massive game in the NFC West. If the Seahawks want a chance of taking down that division, they have to go through the greatest last draft pick of all time in Brock <laughs> Purdy. Uh, first of all, did you? I, I'm still a little bit stunned that Purdy came in and, and whooped Tom Brady's ass the way he did and that Tom was just kind of like, eh, whatever, we were just kind of we're kind of here. But, I mean, it seems like this kid might actually be good enough, given the talent around him in San Fran, to kind of get where they're hoping to go. Yeah, man. It, it just, you know, when, it, when you have so many weapons like the 49ers do, I, I think it makes the, the life of a quarterback a lot easier. Um, and you know, so many things are defined by the coverages that teams have to present to you because of the talent, right? You got Debo, you got Ayuk, you got Kittle, you got McCaffrey, and and 
teams are just going to be petrified before they even think about, okay, how's this quarterback going to threaten us? Uh, now, obviously, Debo gets hurt. But this 49ers team, like I kind of picked them preseason with Trey Lance, that they would go to the Super Bowl because the defense is so good. Uh, this is a scary matchup if you're a Seahawks fan like myself because the Seahawks right now cannot at all stop the run. They've given up multiple 200-yard games along the ground uh, here in the last three weeks. And just routinely, teams have had massive games against them. Uh, a friend of the show on, on our side, uh, Stacey Ross, who just tweeted uh, recently that multiple running backs this season have had their highest rushing guard against the Seahawks. You go through it, and Jamal Williams, uh, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, Rashad White, Taysom Hill, who's a tight end, uh, has 112 rushing yards against the Seahawks. <laughs> and it, it, here comes Kyle Shanahan with Christian McCaffrey, and I'd be surprised if the Seahawks gave up less than 150 on the ground, even though you know Pete Carroll uh, against the Seattle Seahawks or against the 49ers, it's always tough, close battles. But I, I would be surprised if the Seahawks contain the 49ers' offense. And I, I guess I should say it's not only a big game for the Seahawks when it comes to their divisional hopes, but I guess just the playoff picture in general. They've got a chance still with the Giants and the Commanders playing each other in Week 15. One of those teams is is going to lose Bick and give the Seahawks a chance to be there. I mean, really, I know the Lions are coming up, but it's kind of the Seahawks who are, who are closest to challenging for a wild card spot in the NFC right now. Yeah, the Seahawks also beat the Lions as well, so they have the tiebreaker yeah. on the Lions. So it's really like two games that the Lions are behind the Seahawks, and that that tie in, in Week 13 between the Commanders and Giants, it just it just screws everything up. Now they're both in the playoffs in the wild card, uh, so the Seahawks will hang around. But the the thing with their schedule is they still have Kansas City to come as well. So you look at that one and say, okay, is that another loss? And the, the game versus the Jets and the game versus the Rams, like that, that's going to be the big one. If they manage to pull out a win tomorrow, it's huge. But when you lose at home to the Panthers, you lose at home to the Raiders, two sub-500 teams, you've kind of put, put yourself in a bad spot. But here's the thing, I've mentioned this to you before. It's like This is a free roll for the Seahawks right now, right? Mm-hmm. You can trade your franchise QB. Whatever happens, happens. If you go to the playoffs, that's fantastic. But, like, what's the worst-case scenario? Oh, no, now you have two top 16 draft picks? Like, that's not a bad outcome for the Seattle Seahawks either. Yeah, it's one of those rare situations where that trade's worked out, and you're right, they are kind of playing with, with house money because, hey, if we if we make it, no one bothered to put us here anyways, and, oh, we still have a top-five draft pick to add to next year, and maybe we're just ahead of schedule uh, by most people's account because I don't know about you, I didn't – not that I was, you know, a big prognosticator preseason of where the Seahawks were going to be. I mean, they're miles ahead of where I think they'd be if Drew Locke was the quarterback. But hey, uh, I think mm-hmm. everything's kind of a win if you're Seattle right now. You're way ahead of where anybody would have had you. Well, I think the big thing everyone wanted to see this year, or at least for me, was like, is is Pete Carroll out to lunch, basically? And once he confirmed, it's like, look, I I can still coach in this league, and my plan is working, and. Like, we propped up Russell Wilson more than Russell Wilson propped up us. As soon as that got confirmed, then, okay, then this direction of this team for the next couple of years makes sense. And Geno Smith has been phenomenal. And, like, they haven't been able to run the ball to support him as well these last few weeks. So that's also been a problem. And, you know, Pete Carroll does want to run the ball. So, and, and Geno Smith has been great, but, you know, he's, he's played like a top 20 quarterback, but he still needs support. And do you give him another year as you start to build out more talent 
on this team, I, I would be okay with that. So I, I don't necessarily look at this like they have to solve the quarterback issue this year. But like this year has been a resounding success for the Seahawks, even if they get to just seven wins. Uh, last one before I let you go, and it's kind of been the story that's followed everything on Monday Night Football. Uh, Cardinals confirmed that, that Kyler Murray's out for the season after tearing his ACL. Obviously always hard to see a guy get hurt. You never want to see that. Not that the Cardinals were in this playoff picture anyways, but what a disappointing year for them. They're 1-7 at home, 4-9 and nine on the season. Uh, the shine has sort of come off that team from not all that long ago talking about this you know, great team with this young quarterback, and they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins. It's fallen pretty far for the Cardinals this season. I generally don't know if there's a team in North American sports, and I know there's some baseball teams that are basically tanking and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know if there's a team that's like had a bleaker future than the Arizona Cardinals, and based on some of the bets that they've made recently too. Like they just signed their GM, they just signed their head coach, uh, this offseason, after achieving really nothing, they go give Kyler the contract and put a homework clause in there, and now they're 4-9, and now Kyler's out with an ACL. What does the next year even look like for them? Like, What is there to be excited right now about Arizona Cardinals football outside of Kyler Murray, and now he's done? Uh, is, is anybody rostering outside of DeAndre Hopkins, anyone on their fantasy team, like James Conner, I guess, but He's 28 and going to be 29. That's kind mm-hmm. of the, the bad age for running backs. And, and their defense, it's like J.J. Watt. It's like, really, it's 2023 now. Like, we're still doing this? Um, it, it's, I would be stunned if they're even flirting with the playoffs next year. I think they're more of a candidate to be, you know, running for first overall pick next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. That division is, I think, caught in a, a couple of different different ways that we, than we thought especially with the Rams being where they are after that Super Bowl win. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. we got four days of football coming up big before we talk again uh, as we got a triple header on Saturday as well. So looking forward to that and looking forward to these chats with you uh, going forward, pal. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat with you next week, eh? Can't wait. Take care. Big Nazar joining us from Sportsnet 650, our sister station out in Vancouver. Uh, he is uh, all over the Canucks broadcast there and will be joining us weekly here on Sportsnet today to chat, you know, Canucks, NHL, a little bit of NFL in there as well. So uh, looking forward to those hits uh, with Bick. He comes down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline uh, every single day to join the program. That'll wrap up Hour 1. Hour 2 is on the way coming up next. Uh, we'll chat more football in Hour 2 with Andy McNamara. Uh, We'll have another edition of Ask Andy coming up in the second segment of Hour 2. So if you want to get your fantasy football questions in uh, to get a head start on the lineup at 960-960, you can send those into the fan feedback line next. We'll try a little bit more Flames and Canucks. That's the matchup tonight on a Flames game day. It's coming up here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.